Presents Football Time. Hey, hey, welcome to the Football Time Podcast. We got a great show for you today. We're going to start out, of course, with our Fantasy Football Friday. And after we break down our Fantasy Football Friday, we're going to go into a little college football this week. And we got a very special guest. We're going to bring in Dynamite David to come in and talk some college football and go over his picks for the week. So we're really excited about having him on the show and look forward to having him on the show in the future for the rest of the college football season. So first off, let's start out with Fantasy Football Friday. We had a pretty good week, and it would have been even better if we hadn't had some key injuries on our play picks. But that being said, we also had some key injuries on our don't buy picks. So sort of evens out and balances out, and if we're going to, take credit for being good on the don't buy we have to take the hit for on the buy uh in the quarterback territory we said to buy on Dak Prescott and that turned out to be a great return where he scored 40 points in FanDuel 39.8 to be exact at 8300 it was quite a decent value even though you had to pay the high price tag also we had Matt Ryan, who came in at 7,700 on FanDuel and scored 28.5 points. And the loser, and I say loser in quotes because Jimmy Garoppolo, who was our value buy of the week at 7,100, was having a great first half and scored 13 first half points, but did not come out to play in the second half because all the Niners seem to have gotten hurt in the first half. So we'll take the loss on that one, though. He was looking like he was going to have a pretty good game our don't buy list we had deshaun watson at 7900 and he only returned a 15 point value so pretty good call there and then we'll take the loss and we probably won't do this again but kyler murray at 8000 registered pretty good value scoring 33 points so i think this is the last time kyler murray is going to be on our don't buy list in the running back category we had some really nice suggestions here uh, and also some pretty big duds. So we'll start off with the good. Uh, on our buy list, we had Aaron Jones at 7,700, and he had a massive return and scored 43.6 points in FanDuel. And also Miles Sanders at 6,800 returned great value, scoring 18.6 points. Uh, on the loser's end, uh, we said J.K. Dobbins. He only came up with six. They used Ingram and Edwards pretty much most of that game. And then Naheem Hines was a pretty big letdown. Taylor really had it going, so they didn't use him very much. And he only scored 0.9 points. And then the big letdown was Derrick Henry, who only scored 8.4 points. And at 8,300, that was terrible value. And if you took that advice, you probably really were down. But if you stuck with the Aaron Jones and Miles Sanders combo, uh, you were in pretty good shape. Um, on the don't buy list, we had a pretty good with Saquon Barkley at 9,000, only scored 2.8 points. And we thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire wouldn't have quite as big a game. And with his price moving up to 8,000, only coming in with 10 points, was a pretty good suggestion. So despite Saquon getting hurt, 
it doesn't really factor in FanDuel. You can't replace them once the game starts. So if we have to eat it with Jimmy Garoppolo, we have to take the win with Saquon Barkley on the don't buy side. Uh, the receiver side was a bit of a mixed bag here. Um, I'd say everybody returned medium value that we suggested, except for one who also ended up getting injured. Cooper Cup at 7,200 uh, ended up with 10.5 points, which isn't great, but it won't kill you. Robbie Anderson at 5,900 actually probably returned pretty good value, scoring 13.4 points. CeeDee Lamb at 5,200 uh, continues to be a pretty good value buy. I don't know how long he'll stay in that low category. Came in with 14.5 points. Uh, Paris Campbell at 5,300 got hurt early and was out for most of the game at 0.7 points. And then we said the Godwin Evans trio um, was probably going to have a pretty good game. Uh, Godwin ended up being injured and didn't play. So you probably shouldn't have used him because they announced he was out before the game. But Mike Evans did return a 19.9. So pretty good value there. Uh, Receiver-wise on the don't buy list, I thought we hit both pretty good. Adam Thielen came in at 7,300 and like the whole Vikings team that week only was awful and came back with 4.6 points. And we said Juju Smith-Schuster might struggle a little bit. And at 7,100, probably wasn't a good buy. And he only came in with 8.3. On the tight end side, we said Mark Andrews and he really struggled. So the value buy there was at 7,500. But the only thing is, since he didn't have such a great game, that probably will keep his price hovering around 7,500. So you probably will be able to use him as a pretty still decent value tight end. OJ Howard at 4,800 did not have the breakout game. I say breakout game when you do OJ Howard, you're mostly just looking for a touchdown and he didn't get one. So he only ended up with 1.6 points, but we will take the win on Johnny Smith at 4,900 came back with 22.4 points. So that was really good value for the money there. And that's our fantasy football recap. Now let's get to this week's plays and buys and don't buys. All right, so it's a pretty thin field at quarterback, I thought, value-wise. Cam Newton coming in at 7,700. Seems like a pretty good play this week. I think you're definitely going to get at least one probably two rushing touchdowns because they're really going to pound them when they get down to that goal line. And when you're getting that, you're getting those six points instead of the four that they normally give quarterbacks. So I still think the Cam Newton value at 7,700, even though his price has gone way up, is still pretty good value this week. And he has a nice matchup in the poor defense of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Our next buy is Carson Wentz. Now, I know he struggled in the line, has struggled, but I saw a little bit of progress. And with Miles Sanders back, they should be good. And they have a much better matchup this week in the Cincinnati Bengals. And at 7,600, look for Carson Wentz to break out a little bit here. I think it'll finally be a win for the Eagles and I think they'll finally score some points and nice value at 7,600 and my other play is a pretty good value play if Jimmy G sits and it looks like for all intended purposes he will at 6,500 Nick Mullins 
I think you could probably get uh, around 17 to 20 points. And that's really nice value at 6,500 for your quarterback. And then you could start stacking up a, a whole lot of running backs and receivers on the higher end of the value spectrum there. My don't buy list is Deshaun Watson at 8,000. I mean, pretty much anybody who's playing Pittsburgh this year, quarterback-wise, I would just stay away from, especially at that high price tag. And the other one that I have on the high price tag in is Josh Allen at 8,100. I'm not totally confident in this one. I just don't think it's more value-wise at 8,100. I don't think he'll hit the numbers that he's hit the first two weeks playing a much better team in the law. Angeles Rams so I think he'll still have big numbers because he'll get those rushing numbers and he'll get those rushing touchdowns but 8100 to value I don't think he'll be in the 30s and 40s I think he'll be more in the high teens to low 20s running back wise I saw a lot of pretty good plays out there um, we're going to start off with Austin Eckler I know he's been in pretty much a split carry and receiving share with Joshua Kelly but I think this is the week San Diego sort of uses him a little more or at least there's good value in him because uh, he plays the Carolina Panthers and this is easily the worst defense they've played so I think uh, the Eckler, who's been a little bit slow to start fantasy, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great. I think this looks to be a breakout for him. He's still a little pricey at 7,500, but if you can get those high-end uh, running back returns on him this week, uh, this will be the week to use him. Um, next up, I think you still ride the Miles Sanders train. I think he's probably one of the top fantasy running back-wise uh, in football and he's still a little down there in value at 7400 and once again the Eagles playing Cincinnati it looks to be pretty good value uh, Melvin Gordon at 6500 just think he breaks out this week uh, they don't have much otherwise on offense backup quarterback Cortland Sutton's out Philip Lindsay is still going to be out so I think they'll use Gordon early and often and at 6500 great value uh next up david montgomery at 6100 the matchup isn't as great as i'd like but he seems to be the only real true offensive weapon that the bears have and that they utilize a lot so i really like david montgomery especially with his price sitting so low you get a lot of touches and carries for the 6,100 value. So look for David Montgomery to continue his hot start. And there are three really cheap value running backs I like this week. I think Terrell Henderson is going to start to take over the carries and the a majority of the running back shares in Los Angeles. The Rams don't have a great matchup this week versus Buffalo, but 5,800 uh, – let you if he does get the majority of the carries and he hits uh at least in the low teens to upper teens you get really good value there at 5800 Jarek mckinnon looks to be taking over the san francisco role and with that scheme i think there's really no way to lose with whatever running backs getting the majority of carries there and when he came over, he was pretty high-priced talent that everybody was expecting to have fantasy breakout. He had a lot of injuries. It's nice to see him battle, have battled back and 
is going to get his shot here. And at 5,700, great value. And once again, the San Francisco 49ers have a great matchup this week versus the New York Giants. So 5,700, great value. I really look for Jarek McKinnon to break out. And this one's just a little bit of a feel. Antonio Gibson is sort of grown better and better from week one to week two. So I really look for him to have a really good week three versus the Cleveland Browns. And 5,500 really is a nice price, especially if he has his breakout week and hits in the upper teens to 20s. Uh, two running backs I didn't like this week and probably would pass on. Uh, Josh, Josh Jacobs uh, is going to get volume, but I think he's a little banged up this week, so I look for him to have a bit of a reduced load. And playing the New England Patriots, I think they'll definitely scheme to stop him and see what Carr and the uh, receiving weapons can do. So banged up, high price tag, New England Patriots. I'd stay away from Josh Jacobs. And David Johnson, once again, I just avoid anybody playing that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. His price isn't too high at 6900 but it's just a dangerous game playing that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. All right, moving on to wide receiver. Um, Kenny Galladay looks to be back, and I look for him to break out this week. And his price tag comes in at a pretty high price tag at 7500 But if he's back and healthy... I look for him to have a really nice game. He was really great and productive last year, and it'll just give the Lions another weapon, and I think they'll use him pretty good. And the matchup this week versus the Arizona Cardinals is a really decent matchup, and I think they'll be able to hit some nice deep plays, and he's always a great red zone target with his size. So Kenny Galladay coming back at 7,500. DJ Moore at 6,700. I just don't think there's weapons left in Carolina. So I think they'll use their number one receiver. Uh, the Christian McCaffrey touches and carries have to go somewhere. And I think Carolina will be trailing late. So look for a lot of junkyards in the second half for DJ Moore at 6,700. And uh, with Paris Campbell out, that slides Michael Pittman Jr. in. And at $5,000, if he sort of takes over Paris Campbell's role. You're looking at maybe a five for 50, six for 70, and a possibly could grab a touchdown there. And at the $5,000 value, just looks like a good cheap play if you look into slot somebody in on the real, real cheap. On the don't buy list, I couldn't find a lot of receivers that I look like they had really bad matchups, especially on the high end. Uh, the only one I'd look out for is Julio Jones. He looked pretty banged up at the end of that Dallas Cowboys game. His price tag at 7800 just seems a little high. And with the weapons that the Atlanta Falcons have, they don't necessarily have to force feed Julio Jones if he's not all that healthy. So I would stay away from Julio Jones this week at 7800 uh, the value tight ends I look for, Evan Ingram at 5,900 without Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram becomes their number one offensive weapon. They'll probably be trailing the San Francisco 49ers that need to throw a lot. Uh, Devontae Freeman probably isn't ready to take over a full role at running back yet, so they'll definitely look to pass, especially short intermediate passes where they can try to get Ingram in space and get some yards after catch. So Evan Ingram, 5,900's pretty good value. Um, also Dalton Schultz uh, for the Dallas Cowboys 
still is really cheap at 4,900. They gave him a lot of targets last week. And with the weapons on the outside for the Dallas Cowboys, that leads a lot of single coverage, especially matched up against linebackers and safeties, which Schultz can exploit. And I look for Dalton Schultz to continue his nice week last week and a great price tag at 4,900. The only uh, tight end I didn't love the matchup-wise, Darren Waller. Uh, the Patriots will look to take him out, thinking he's their lead to their offense. He also popped up on the injury report, so he's probably a little banged up. And the value of 6,600 with his big week on Monday Night Football, so I think a lot of people will look to have him in their lineups, and 6,600 is not great value. I think there are other better values out there. All right, that's our daily fantasy buy, don't buy list for the week. And now we'll go to our season-long waiver wire pickups that we're looking at that are still pretty sparsely owned in leagues. Uh, Mike Davis for Carolina Panthers. Um, I don't love him. I don't know how much they're actually going to use him, and I definitely don't think he'll get the pass catches. But they'll probably definitely give him some handoffs. He's not ever been my favorite running back, but he was productive in college. He's had moments in the NFL, not great ones, but volume and a lead running back in fantasy football. If you can still grab Mike Davis, I grab Mike Davis. We talked about Darrell Henderson in the daily earlier. Uh, I think it's definitely a good long-term play to roster him if he's still available. I look for him to take over. He was a great back at Memphis. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams drafted him, looking in for him to take over Gurley. He's had some injury issues early on in his uh, career, but last week I saw the explosiveness and they started to hand in the ball late in the second half to really put that game away. Really like Darrell Henderson, if you can get him up. Also, we went over Jarek McKinnon in the daily fantasy part, just echoing as long as Mosert's out, uh, McKinnon probably takes over the role. And with that San Francisco 49ers offensive scheme for running backs, it's just yardage all over the place. Um, Receiver-wise, Russell Cage, uh, we went over Julio Jones being banged up. Uh, Cage has had nice uh, stats the first two weeks, even with Julio Jones healthy. So uh, if Julio Jones is banged up, if he is, sits out, i definitely look take a look at Russell Cage. Uh, Sammy Watkins uh, got banged around uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs game versus the Chargers and has a hand injury. So it might be a week to give a sprinkle to McCall Hardman. Uh, he's not going to get volume, but he definitely has a chance to hit an explosive player too. The matchup isn't great versus Baltimore, but you don't need him to be great. You need him to really hit one big play and then have a couple intermediate in there. And he's worth the value, especially this week. I don't know about his long-term progress, but if you're short receivers and you're looking for a chance to hit a, you know, uh, high risk, sort of high reward player, McCole Hardman's your guy. And we went over Dalton Schultz also in the daily fantasies. If he's available in your tight end list, I definitely look to add Dalton Schultz. All right, that's our fantasy football Friday for the week. Now let's move on to college football and bring in Dynamite David. Dynamite picks. So let's start out. Uh, just to break down the college football season so far, we're coming in a little late into the college football season, but I don't think we've missed much. Uh, what do you think about the college football season so far, David? Well, the way I look at it is, you know, we've 
we've kind of had, you know, we've had the cheese plate. We've had a little appetizer. But uh, we're, we're starting this Saturday in a couple of days getting into the, uh, the meat and potatoes of college football. You know, big boys SEC coming in. We've had a taste of ACC football, but uh, uh, we all know that the SEC is the big boys. And, and uh, you know, Big 12 has been shown that they're, they're prone to some upsets. So uh, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen, but I'm excited. Yeah, it's nice to – I can finally bet on more than, like, one game. I think I've bet on three games so far this season, so it hasn't been totally ideal. I took the under over in the Duke-Notre uh, Dame game in week one, and then I ended up stupidly trying to middle it at halftime, and then uh, I bet two games last week. So this is the first week where I have multiple games I'm going to bet on. Uh Looks like a, at least a much better slate than it's been so far. All right, so uh, we're just going to touch on a couple teams. Uh, Clemson looked, I guess, solid so far. They haven't really played much. They do have a conference win in Wake and then uh, a snooze fest versus Citadel. Uh, you seeing any faults in Clemson so far this year? No, I think, you know, I think Clemson's going to sit at number one for a while. I think, what is it, two weeks is it they play Miami? I believe I think, so. Uh, I think that'll be the first real big test. But I think they're they're kind of like, you know, the past decade with Alabama until until they fall off that number one slot. I think I think they're just going to hang out there and we'll see how far they can ride. But, uh, I, you know, I think they're they're pretty getting pretty consistent. They're definitely the cream of the crop in the ATC. And, uh uh just kind of look for them to see if they falter at all but uh I don't see that happening anytime soon yeah definitely so uh Notre Dame who now is in the ACC at least for this year uh have you seen anything where they you think they can contend for the ACC I I think the defense has looked solid like it has for probably the last three or four years but I still don't trust that offense and yeah I mean there's just there's always inconsistencies on that offense you know uh they always struggle to find a consistent quarterback that's not going to turn the ball over. And I just, I'm, I'm still not a big fan of Brian Kelly. I, you know, I, I just realized how long he's been there. I mean, it's been like over a decade now and I, it still feels like he just got there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> it does feel like Ian Book has been there playing some sort of version of quarterback for them for, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, I think he's finally a senior, so maybe that will finally end. Uh, the other team I wanted to touch down to start the year, Miami. Uh, they seem to finally have a quarterback. Uh, the rest, they've had skill position guys for at least the last, I don't know, 20 years, but they haven't been able to find a quarterback really since Ken Dorsey. So that's uh, saying something. Uh, yeah, you, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, just have you been impressed with their start or you think – they'll fall off. I'm kind of in a hold position on Miami right now. Like I said, you know, they've got uh, Clemson in a couple of weeks. I think that's, that's the major test. And even if they lose that game, if they can, they can show me that they can hang with Clemson, that would probably be uh, a good, uh, good way to impress me there. But I just, I'm not going to buy into them all just, just for the win over Louisville. Uh, you know, it was, it was a solid, solid win, but I just, you know, the rankings the way they are this year and until we see everybody play and with players sitting out and whatnot, I, I just – we'll we'll see in two weeks on Miami. Yeah, I agree. Uh, wait and see. But it is nice to have a quarterback there for <laughs> once instead of yeah. watching bad quarterback play. Uh, I didn't see much else to touch on. And did you have any other teams that you thought maybe 
were worth touching on? Not any teams in particular. I just, you know, um, things I've taken away these first couple weeks, you know, the Big 12 here in the last four or five years, it's turned to Oklahoma and then everybody else. And it's, it's seeing it's going to stay true to that this year. And then I, I really look, uh, I think the Big 10 is, is royally messed up uh, this year and, depending on when they're going to start. Was it going to be late, late October now? I think the last weekend of uh, October. I think, uh, you know, SEC has been dominant for a decade or two now. I think ACC is closing that gap, and Big Ten just took a big step back. But now they're in the back seat, I think, and the ACC is coming up to the passenger side with the SEC leading football, I believe. And uh, I think that could cost them quite a bit. All right. That was a pretty good breakdown for sort of a lackluster first three or four weeks of the season. Well, um, let's move on to the more exciting stuff and get into our picks for week four. What do you think? That uh, sounds good. All right. So I have two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven picks and a maybe depending on what tests come back and who's actually playing in <laughs> one of the games. That one might not, you'll have to wait on Twitter probably before I... Well, it- and I may be wrong, but did I see where the, the Houston game got canceled again this week? Yeah, Houston game got canceled, and uh, the South Florida game, they had to pull that because they were playing Notre Dame last week, and Notre Dame had a bunch of positive tests. So, I hope we don't see a lot of that this season, but uh, I guess we'll see how it goes. As long as they catch it, I think they're okay. It's the dangerous when you have something like the Notre Dame game and they didn't catch it, and then you know South Florida went up there and played, and then – they have to cancel their game. Notre Dame has to cancel their game. And, you know, four teams end up having to cancel games. All right. So uh, you're the guest here. So I'll let you start out with your first pick. Okay. My first week. pick, you know, I, I was just got done talking about the big conferences, but I'm going to actually start with some smaller schools. I'm going to start with uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns versus Georgia Southern. Uh, I think uh, Louisiana is going to uh, – bounce back off of a, a struggle last week uh and georgia southern did not look that great and they they barely pulled off a w against the the campbell camels so uh i think uh the spread is uh 13 and a half right now i think uh, louisiana definitely takes care of business there okay so we start off with our first battle of the week on our first pick i actually like georgia southern here mostly just because they're getting points. I like the, you got 13 and a half. I had it down to 11 and a half today. So I'm getting a little screwed on the line, but I just think it'll be a close game. Both teams run the ball and Georgia Southern and Appy State have been the dominant teams of the Sun Belt the last handful of years. So I just want to see sort of one of the uh, dominant teams be dethroned before I lean all the way on to Louisiana Lafayette. The Louisiana Lafayette's definitely the better team here, especially with their offensive line. They got a couple guys who are probably going to play in the NFL on that offensive line, so they should be able to road great Georgia Southern. But I think it's always hard to prepare for Georgia Southern's option. All right, so you had La Lafayette and I had Georgia Southern. We're on our first battle of the week. My next... My next pick is Kentucky versus Auburn. Now I'm going with the under on the 49 and a half. Uh, Auburn usually tends to start slow on offense and Kentucky never has any offense. So I just looking for that score to be a sort of grinded out slow paced game. 
especially since I don't know how much either team has practiced all that much. And I just think it'll be a tight sort of gross game that Auburn sort of puts away late. See, I, so, you know, this is another one we're, we're going to battle on this pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually really, really like Auburn here. I don't understand uh, why the spread's only seven and a half with Auburn at home. Um, I think one big name to watch out for is the, the speed, speedster track guy, Anthony Schwartz. I think he's going to have a huge year. And uh, I just – I like their offense, and uh, I think it might come out clicking, and, and it could be a, a big blowout win, and uh, Auburn sends Kentucky home crying. Yeah, I could see that too. And with that, Auburn can blow them out uh, 48 to nothing, and I could still get my under. So I'm well, okay with that too. That's true. And I, I, <laughs> that actually – that's a pretty good point there. So, uh, you know, we're not exactly going against each other. No. Taking the under. So we, we could both win here. Yes, we could. Uh, why don't you take the next pick and what do you got up? Okay, my next pick. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the SEC for uh, SEC matchup with uh, which I guess all the SEC teams get SEC matchups this year. Uh, so it's a huge spread, and I, I'm I'm foolish for taking it, but I, I actually really like Georgia at Arkansas. Uh, even though it's 26 and a half, I just really don't like that Arkansas team. They're on a 19 SEC game losing streak, and I looked to that uh, getting to 20. Um, and even though there's, you know, there's some questions, I think Dewan Mathis is going to go at quarterback for Georgia, but uh, JT Daniels is also eligible to play. So we might see both of them. I'm guessing uh, we'll see both. So uh, I think if Georgia doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, they should take care of business and uh, easily cover that 26 and a half. I, I see that being a, a blowout. Yeah, I agreed. It was probably going to be a blowout. I just, the spread was too big for me, and I wanted to see how bad Arkansas was going to be this year if they continued their complete and utter terribleness for the last, I don't know, it's probably four years now that since they've even had a pulse. So I just sort of stayed away from anything that's really large, especially for the first week of the season. I just don't know what to make of teams and how much they practice and what they're going to do, and especially with Georgia since their starting quarterback or who was going to be their starting quarterback, decided to sit out the year and prep for the NFL draft. I I never liked JT Daniels at USC, so if he's the one who ends up going, uh, that makes me a little more nervous. All right, uh, my next pick, I don't love it, but I was going to take TCU plus two and a half. Uh, TCU has not been able to play this year due to COVID, but I just think they're a better football team. And so getting points at home versus a Iowa State team that struggled versus La Lafayette just seemed like TCU's the better team, even if it's a they haven't played yet. Let's just get points at home with someone I think is the better team. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a solid pick right there. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't make a, a pick on that one. I, I kind of want to stay away from that. Like I said, uh, Big 12 gets a little murky underneath Oklahoma, and uh, I, don't, I don't like going too deep into their conference. <laughs> oh, it it could get murky quick if they come out and they look like they haven't played for a year and a half, and I get rolled on it. But just TCU at home, I was like, if you're giving me points versus an Iowa State team who struggled to move the ball versus Iowa State, I'm like, okay, I'll – take the advantage and live with the consequences if they start off terrible. So uh, you're up next. What do you got? 
Okay, let's see. Um, I guess we'll go uh, – I guess we'll stick in the Big 12 uh, for another one. I've got uh, Oklahoma uh, against Kansas State, and it's at Oklahoma. Uh, like I said, Oklahoma's – they're looking, you know, pretty much the same they've been the past few years. They're reloading at quarterback with Spencer Rattler. And, uh, you know, Kansas State pulled off the upset last year, and I think Oklahoma's going to be looking for some revenge here. Uh, I look for them to uh, to cover that 27 and a half. No problem. So a lot of a lot of big uh, uh, picks here. Yeah, I, I can see that. What scared me off of it was Kansas State was able to last year. Now they were a much better team than last year. And they've been one of the ones that were hit hard with COVID and they haven't been able to practice a ton. Hence why they lost their, uh, I guess it was a week two game. They were off last week. But the way they controlled that clock on Oklahoma last year and kept the score down just makes me a little nervous. And if Oklahoma's defense, which is always bad, stays bad, and Kansas State can just sort of pound their quarterback into the middle of the field and control the clock on them, I that 27.5 gets me a little nervous. So that's why I stayed away with it. But I, think, I like the bold picks. I think Oklahoma will easily win the game. I just – I want to see what their defense is like before I start taking them on big spreads, especially versus teams who you know are just going to muck up the game to the point where no one actually wants to watch it. I, I think – I think sorry, uh, um, I think this year we could see a lot of, of high scoring because I think, I think underpreparedness uh, lends more to the offense than the defense. That's just my opinion. Uh, just because I think uh, offense can play a little bit more loose where defense has to be more disciplined and knowledgeable. So I think I think this uh, weird offseason could lend to some higher scoring games. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I I could very easily see Oklahoma, you know, blowing this game out early and quickly. So that's I just it was more a stay away, watch, wait and see, and then if Kansas State is terrible again, then we take advantage of them probably later down the road. And Oklahoma's you know just going to have big spreads for every game except for you know probably Texas and maybe TCU, depending on what they look like this week. I just – I really like the revenge factor in that game, too. I think that plays a big role, especially at the college level. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my next game, we're going to go twofer. I like Mississippi State plus the 16-and-a-half, and I also like the under 56-and-a-half, um, mostly just because I don't know what LSU is going to bring to the table. Uh, most of that team from the championship is gone – their best receiver just left, so I don't know who the quarterback's really going to throw to. Now, Mississippi State's a bit of a wild card because I don't know what they are going to be with the new coaching situation. So they could blatantly be so terrible that it doesn't matter what has left LSU. But I just want to see what LSU comes out with. I'm not a true believer in Ed Orgerani. He gives me a little bit of Gene Chizik vibes where – one good year with a loaded team, and then you sort of get mediocre years. Otherwise. Yeah, I, I, I think I looked at their lineup a while back, and, and they're returning, what, like two or three starters from their whole offense last year. It, it's something ridiculous like that. I, I yeah. don't know the exact number. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I, – I'm, I'm not a big Ogeron guy either. Uh, I think – I think he's smart to keep good good assistants around him, and he's a he's a heck of a recruiter. And you know, sometimes that does the job. And uh, it all uh, all married well last year. We'll see if it can continue this year. Yeah, I think that was the other thing. I think Brady going to Carolina sort of 
I want to see what that offense is without him. If it's, you know, as yeah. open and fast and as spread and, you know, smart, or is it back to LSU sort of glomming together points in the twenties? Uh, but once again, I know nothing about Mississippi state and what they're going to bring to the table. I I'm excited for the air raid, but that might take, I don't know, two years to at least get into form and, it's definitely something that sort of starts slow. You can't just start slinging around. So I just want to see what it's like opening day and 17 points just seemed like a lot. And also the under, I just, I want to see what LSU's offense looks like going in there. So Mississippi state plus 16 and a half and under 56 and a half. All right, you're up. What is your next pick? Okay, my next pick, uh, I actually uh, – I like the opener at Old Miss uh, versus Florida coming to town, uh, Lane Kiffin's debut. I think uh, I, I, I think they're going to cover that 14-and-a-half now. I don't, I'm not sure if they, they get the W, but I think keeping it within two touchdowns is entirely possible with, uh, with Kiffin, the mastermind, running that offense. I think, I think he knows that this is his time to shine. He's worked his way back up to this point, and uh, I think they're going to be ready to go. And also, a uh, uh, little wild card here. They're they're breaking out the the powder blue uniform, powder blue helmets, the powder blue in the end zone. Students are going to be hyped about that. The the players are anyway. I don't know. I doubt students are going to be at the game. I don't know. Uh, and then Florida, you know, they've got a few questions on defense. Their secondary is a little iffy. They got a strong front, but uh, I think Kiffin's offense might be able to torch them over the top. Well, that was my questions about Florida. Um... I think actually their offense will improve as, you know, the longer Mullen is there, but can they keep sort of bringing in that defensive talent that actually has won them games in that division and conference for, I don't know, the last 10 years. And I think the attrition starts to mount on their defensive end. And if that offense doesn't, you know, reach like Mississippi state levels under Dan Mullen, I don't think they win quite as much as they have recently. Well, I think I think this this game might not be quite as high scoring as some of the others. I think this one could could stick around like the 21-14, 24-17 range. Uh, that's why I think Ole Miss keeps it within the 14 and a half. Yeah, I I also don't know what to make of Ole Miss yet either. I that's a it's a wait and see if they come out flying on offense or you know sometimes yeah. Kiffin will do that weird little thing where you know. He'll just go ball control and try to control the game and keep it as low scoring as possible, especially, well, you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, well, I, you know, I was going to say they're another team that they've got a possible two quarterback situation. Uh, Matt Corral's is probably going to be the guy from the get go, but they've also got John Reese Plumley as a dual threat to come in in like an option package and, uh, and maybe throw off for defense there as well. Yeah, I I definitely like the points there. So I think that's a pretty decent pick, but I just wanted to see what both teams are like before I start picking on them. Uh, my next game is the Texas, Texas Tech under. Uh, it's 70 and a half. Uh, that just seems like a lot. Texas Tech is not the air raid team they've been. Uh, when they left Cliff Kingsbury, they brought in a coach who's more sort of ground and pound. So 70 and a half just seems like a ton. I, Texas hasn't been able to run up points in, I don't know, since Vince Young was there. So, And Texas is also pretty defensive-based. So I just 
playing in the 40s and 30s for that game just seems a bit much, especially since Texas had played one game like two weeks ago and Texas Tech has barely played. So it just seems like too many points this early in the season for teams that haven't played a ton. Yeah, I, I like that pick. That's a, that's a good pick. All right. Uh, you're up. What do you got left? Uh, all I got left is my upset. So if you're, if you're ready for that, we can do that. Uh, I got one more. I got BYU minus the 13 and a half. Uh, I liked the way they looked to start the season a couple weeks ago, crushing Navy. Now, that being said, Navy looked so terrible. It wasn't even funny. But Troy going to BYU and Provo just seems like a tough beat, and I look for BYU to roll there. Not that big a pick, but it's my only actual big spread of the week, so I'll probably be punished for it. <laughs> but BYU minus 13 and a half versus Troy. All right, so we'll go to our upset specials of the week. Upset special. Uh, you want to start us off with your upset special? Yeah, uh, my upset special is uh, going to be Duke. Uh, they're getting uh, three and a half, and I'm, I'm a big believer in Coach Cut, and I think they're going to rebound off their – was it their opening week loss that they had against uh, – uh, Notre it? Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think they're going to rebound against that and uh, and take care of business. I like that pick. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good pick. Duke's played a couple games now, so they're they probably will be getting into rhythm. Um, my upset special is I'm going back to Mississippi State. Now it's a big upset. We're getting 540 on that one. It's mostly just a guess on maybe LSU doesn't come out as great as they were last year. And we'll see what Mississippi State can do. All right, so those are our picks for the week. Um, there were a couple other, you know, like big games I just wanted to touch on, see what you were thinking. Um, West Virginia versus Oklahoma State, uh, probably a, I don't know, medium-level Big 12 battle. Um, do you think Oak State has any chance to – win the Big 12. I mean, they do have a big-time running back, and their offense looks legit, but they struggled last week versus Tulsa, so I don't know what to make of them in West Virginia. I mean, without Holgerson there, they were awful last year, but uh, maybe they take a step up and are better this year. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real big fan of either one of these teams, so, uh, you know, it'd be just kind of picking straws there. I just – I. I don't really – I didn't really like Oklahoma's uh, uh, defense uh, last week. And uh, – but their run game's strong. But I just – I don't know how long that run game's going to hold them up in the Big 12 when they get up against some of the higher-scoring offenses. Yeah, uh, I think I was just more curious what Oklahoma State could bring to the table this week. If they can sort of pound away at West Virginia, maybe they're one of the ones that can cause Oklahoma some trouble – with Texas and maybe TCU. Um, the next game I was going to look at was, it's not really a good game. I think we all know who's going to win, but Alabama at Mizzou. Uh, I was just curious if they were going to go with Mac Jones the whole time, unless, you know, of course they're up 40 or they were going to switch both quarterbacks around and just see what Alabama brings to the table. You know, I will make one bold prediction in this game, and, and we can come back next week and see if it comes true. But I bet you Alabama scores at least one defensive or special teams touchdown in this game. Yeah, I, I would say that's a pretty safe bet, I, depending on 
you know, how long they play starters. <laughs> <laughs> if they're up like 28 nothing after the first quarter, I don't know if how much they'll play. But it just will be good to see what Alabama is bringing. And I'm just curious about that quarterback situation. I thought Mac Jones, towards the end, started to play pretty good football. But that new kid they brought in with the dual threat capabilities. I, Bryce Young? Yeah, I I don't know if Matt can hold him off or not. All right. Uh, the other game I was going to touch on was Miami at FSU. Uh, FSU has looked awful, and off the field has been probably even worse for Norvell as coach. So Miami, I think, probably rolls in this game, but it is a rivalry game. You think FSU can band together and put anything together to win this game? I don't think so at all. And I think the sooner Florida State fires Norvell, the better Florida State. I think he's going to run them further and further into the ground. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, disloyalty from his players, uh, you know, rumors in the news, you know, disgruntled players. I just – I think that that program has just fallen from its uh, former glory, and I don't – see it coming back for a while until they get the right guy in place. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I don't even know if he can make it through the year. The only thing that's probably helping him is, I mean, the budgets for these ACC teams are going to be lower, so I don't know if they'll be able to afford, you know, to buy him out and get him out of there this quick. But yeah, I think all these buyouts set up uh, before before the uh, coronavirus hit, and, and now all the, in, the income is going to be a lot lower, and uh, – I, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys this year around the country that are going to be deserving that normally would have gotten fired in a normal year that we could see make it another year. But I just, I think Florida State needs to move on quick, regardless of the cost, or it's just going to get further away. I definitely, and if players start, you know, abandoning the ship and leaving, then I think maybe they probably pull the trigger. I mean, they have enough boosters and stuff where they can cover it. I mean, that's the whole reason they got rid of the last coach. So. Um, the last game I wanted to touch on was NC State and Virginia Tech. NC State has started out undefeated so far this year. Uh, Vod Tech, theoretically a contender in the ACC. I, I do like Fuentes. I think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, you see anything coming from these two teams? Do you think Virginia Tech or NC State could be a contender in the ACC? Uh, I, I really don't. I think I think they're competing for, you know, somewhere in that third to sixth place window. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I really like, you know, the ACC, I think, is, is Clemson. And then there's, you know, Notre Dame, Miami, and Louisville kind of in there at the second tier. And then you've kind of got a third tier hanging out. And I think that's where these guys are. Okay. That's probably good enough for this week. There weren't a ton of marquee games. Uh, next week, there are a couple more. Uh, I want to thank Dynamite David for joining us. Uh, be sure to catch us next week for our picks and recap of this week. And that's the podcast for today. And we're out.